Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Uh, you know, I know some people stay up late to watch the podcast. I'm just going to warn them that I'm both coaching hockey and playing hockey this year. And there's going to be a lot of fairly late night podcasts. Like there's going to be a couple hours delay a lot of the time. So I was playing tonight. And um, yeah, I love the Oilers and I love this podcast, but I really love playing hockey and coaching it. So I'm not going to be giving that up. Um, even if it, you know, so maybe just sometimes you will have to get it in the morning, catch it in the morning if, you know. Uh, if you can't catch it at night, I'm sorry about that. But unfortunately, uh, we tried hard last year to do the live podcast, which many people had requested, but the technology fail was so drastic that the quality, you know, the sound quality just went right through the floor. It was a nightmare. It was driving us absolutely nuts. Like it, it was, was just below our standards of quality, despite the best efforts. So yeah. we have not solved uh, the problem of being able to do it live with a decent. Uh, underlying platform and maybe at some point we will be able to solve that but it has not happened yet it has not happened yet oh i need to plug in my uh hopefully this won't screw anything up i was using just the regular all right can you still hear me bruce yep can you hear me now yep okay i didn't have my mic plugged in i was just using the mic off the computer all right. Nope. All right. Uh, Mine too. Let's get it. Let's get it right. We're just pro. We're on the fly, Bruce. We're making mm -hmm. these changes, improving things. It's okay. The order, the orders want a big game. They're two and zero now. They want a big game against the Calgary Flames. You know, anytime you beat the Calgary Flames, it was a five-two win. Easily could have gone the other direction because early in the game, Mike Smith, I thought, uh, kept the Oilers in that game, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that, of course. This is our two good things. Two bad things and two numbers podcast. And because, Bruce, it was an Oilers victory, we'll go with two good things each. Why don't you start it off with the obvious good thing? Well, one obvious good thing was yeah, one uh, Mike Smith, well, Mike Smith uh, whose name you mentioned already, who faced uh, a veritable barrage of rubber all night long. 15 shots in the first period, 18 in the second, 14 in the third for horrendous from a team perspective, 47 shots against. And of those 47, just two uh, found the back of the net. And uh, Smith posted, I think it was 9.57 save percentage. Very solid night's work. Uh, they, We did count, I believe, just nine grade-A scoring chances for Calgary, but a couple of those are real doozies. And he came up big, especially early in the game, as you say. And once Evan and got the lead and Calgary started playing catch up. They were shooting, but they were shoot maybe, maybe uh, uh, shooting more from outside, not generating quite as many dangerous chances as they had in the, uh, uh, in the early going. Uh, but Smith, uh, Smith stood tall and he, uh, um, uh, he got the job done for the second game in a row. Actually the fourth game in a row if you count the two preseason games where he was real good in both of those as well so he's come out uh uh with another b in his bonnet this year looking to shut up the critics again and i think he, he likes shutting up critics more than just about anything else mike smith <laughs> so it's great keep the criticism coming folks and, and uh schmitty will keep answering 
your comments with saves. <laughs> he must love beating the Calgary Flames, Bruce. You know, I was just thinking without Tippett in the league, without a mm-hmm. coach who had such fundamental faith in him, I wonder if Smith would have got another chance after right. flaming out in, in Calgary. Like I really do. Because he had had, I think it was two pretty mediocre seasons in a row. No, is that is that correct? Did he have? Was his he first had one in, in Calgary and one in Edmonton? Yeah. If you just judge by save percentage, were mediocre in both places. If you judge by team results, when he was in net, they were pretty good. But well, there you go. A lot of people don't seem to think that goalie wins are actually due to anything the goalie did. Well, his puck moving cannot be denied, Bruce. As an old goal, as an old goalie, I resent that. Goalies play to win, just like all other players. Yeah, forty-five saves tonight. Um, <laughs> nine grade A shots is is a fair fair number of grade A shots. It's and uh, he only let in the two goals. So, yeah, I thought he and especially early in the game, he was fantastic. The the Flames came out in this game. They were a markedly different team than last year. And we noticed it in the scrums, right? Like last year, they didn't stand up for each other. There was occasions where they didn't. And that's kind of a shocking thing when you see that with a team. We've seen that in the decade of darkness with the Oilers, where they would not stand up for each other. And um, they, the Flames sure did. I mean, they were just any little thing. And they were all over the Oilers, right? Like trying to rough them up. And there'd be three or four Flames on, you know, poor Yesapuli RV or some some unsuspecting customer like that. So this was a very determined Flames team, and Mike Smith uh, really did shut the door on them, and he must love doing that to the Calgary Flames. He must love that. A couple, couple little flubs with the puck. There was one real adventure where he coughed it up behind the net, and his the play that he decided to make rather than try and scramble back in the net was to put the paddle down on the ice and intercept the centering pass, which he actually successfully did, knocked the pass down, and then he got help from a couple of teammates to to work the puck out of the danger area, but that was a, a heart attack that uh, Oilers fans probably didn't really need. Um, but uh, uh, when it came to stopping the puck, he was fine. He was twice, I mean, both goals. I mean, one was a one-timer, a power play, one-timer with no defenseman around, and the other was a uh, uh, a deflection and a rebound by Andrew Mangipani, again with no defense anywhere in sight. And Smith left to his own, and there was a few other times where he was kind of on his own. And he made the save. So, okay, my good thing, Bruce Connor McDavid, hat trick. Oh, wow, I'm shocked. Yeah, and oh, David. There was a David. few. There was a few warts <laughs> on that line, Bruce. Yeah. Um, they were out for some great A chances against. I, I, I mean, I have found their defense their defensive play to be underwhelming in the first two games, to say the least. And it's in they're, they're kind of a five man unit with Barry and nurse. And, you know, it, it's, they're not clicking on all cylinders on defense yet, but they still manage to score at even strength. Don't they? And they, um, on the power play, they're just, they're just awesome. And, uh, McDavid, of course, uh, got that one timer goal. Has he scored a one-timer goal before? Maybe. Apparently, never, never before. Like that's that was he was working on one-timers all through, through uh, uh, camp, and and uh, he was whiffing on them, and he was he was sort of getting dribblers away, and 
McDrysaddle uh, said that he was a fluffer <laughs> of a yeah, shooter. He was fluffer. <laughs> and that was uh, and his very first game in the regular season, they set him up for a one-timer maybe five minutes into the first period. This was the game I was at on Wednesday night, and he broke his stick, completely whiffed it and broke his stick. And so it took him an entire one game to learn the art of the one-timer because tonight he got the chance to let one fly, and he just rocketed it home. It's a problem solved, apparently. We'll see how many more of those there are, but he was laughing pretty pretty hard when he put that one home, and I, I would imagine that that would bring great satisfaction to any player when they've been working on a particular skill, but a, a player like him that has so few holes in his game, and he works specifically at this one that's never been a strength, and then to get rewarded so quickly with, this was the game-winning goal to boot, just to just to put a little bow on it. I'm just going to look up last year because we actually keep track of mm-hmm. one-timers, don't we, Bruce? So we uh, can yeah, we do. Don't, me, yeah. Uh, see if I can find that out. He um, he certainly celebrated. <laughs> he certainly celebrated that goal. Like he was happy mm-hmm. to happy to be there and happy to have you know executed that shot in a game. So. I bet you he he took. I wonder how many one timers he took this summer, uh, in order to launch that one uh, tonight. I sus I sus I suspect Bruce that it was a substan- substantial number. Okay, here we go. Ninety seven F S O T. Well, we have him with nine last year, okay. but sometimes those aren't. What we count as one timers, like his first shot, we counted as one timer. His first goal was also a one timer, right? He 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 didn't stop it; he just snapped it right, right in the net. So a lot yeah, of okay. the one timers last year, he did get nine, um, would have been that kind of goal, just where it's mm-hmm. pass him bang off your stick in the net. So mm-hmm. um, we don't; it doesn't have to be a big wind up for us to count it as a one timer. Right. So I think I think that may qualify as his first kind of, you know. Um, Big slap wind shot, up one slap time. shot one timer. You know the dramatic, the executioner shot. Hmm. What's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, you know I like to play a Cody Cece in this game, and he kept catching my eye in a good way. I mean, most noticeably when he made a beautiful pass to Yesipul Yarby for an absolutely gigantic goal, uh, just 26 seconds after Calgary cut the lead to three to two with still 15 minutes on the clock, and you think they're coming, they're coming hard. And on the ver- very next shift, we had a, a nice exit pass from Drysaddle to CC in the neutral zone, and another beauty cross ice pass from CC to Poliarvi breaking across the blue line and, and Yessa took it in and just snapped a perfect shot right inside the far post like 14 inches off the ice at the, the Sackick <laughs> spot you know where he hit, hit the hit the net cord one 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 knot inside the goal post where the goalie really has little chance that made it 4-2 and that kind of didn't quite put an end to Calgary's battle level but it certainly put a big pin in their balloon they were they were starting to come back pretty good and for Edmonton to answer that quickly with such a decisive goal as well really really had to be demoralizing for Calgary you gotta like it and uh um uh Pugliari, he's developing himself into a Calgary killer but Cece I mean there was that play uh on the flip side there was a play for the Manjipani goal 
where he got drawn over to the boards where the puck was, and they worked it back to the point, and he wound up being a long way from where he could help Duncan Keith defend against two guys in front of the net. So you could criticize him a little bit for that. But what I liked was a, a number of plays that I saw, Calgary rushes that he stopped by standing up at the blue line, by standing up at the red line, and by, you know, simply thwarting them right in before they even entered the Edmonton zone. And say there was, there was maybe three different plays like that in the game that caught my eye where it was basically him who, uh, by, by being proactive, uh, sort of standing up at the lines, uh, put a stop to what appeared to be fairly dangerous rushes. And he moved the puck okay, and he's, you know, he's, he's got... He's got a he's got he's got lots of breadth to his game. Not sure how much like he doesn't really stand out at too many individual skills, but he does a lot of things. Cody CC. so far so okay. He is solid on his skates, Bruce. Solid on his skates. That's what I like about him. He's uh, yeah. He and Keith are hanging in there so far. They're playing. I think I think they're getting a pretty heavy diet of the top competition, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah, I like what I see there. You know that Pulleyarvey. I would just want to return to that 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 goal. That's the kind of goal he scored in Finland. Like you know where he would uh, in the Finnish league now and then he'd rip one like that. If he starts to regularly score like that, Bruce in the NHL. Mm-hmm. The orders are going to owe him a lot of money <laughs> on, next, on his yeah. next contract, but it's and there's a for him at all. There is a there is a chance here that he will outscore, um, outpoint this year Patrick Liney, Matthew Kachuk, and Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, all players taken possible. in the same year in the draft, and I I would say that it's who's going to get the most points of those guys at this point. Uh, the way Pulley Arvey's playing and who his line mates are, it's got to be kind of, he's got to be, you know, 25% for each guy maybe, or maybe it's Liney and Pulley Arvey with the, the best chance, or Kachuk. I don't know about Dubois. He doesn't play on the power play as much right now anymore, I don't believe. So, um, yeah, he's he's starting to look like the fourth overall pick of the 2016 draft and really... Uh, coming to his own in that regard. And CC, I was worried about him. I've been worried about him, but the the so far first two games, I've been really happy with his play. Um, I just think he, he and Keith have generally been solid. I mean, Bruce, we know bad defensemen. We have seen them. We have seen them. <laughs> we've seen a, a, a decade of terrible defensemen with the Edmonton Oilers, guys who can't play. So, you know, Newcomers come to town. There's controversy, and you're just worried. I oh, know, not again. Like not not another mm-hmm. Nikitin, not another Fane, not another Curtis Foster, not another, another Barker, not another Andrew Ferentz, who I like. So I don't usually throw him in. Well, there, but, there, yeah, I but, mean, but in terms of his play, it's a fair comment. Lots of these guys came when they were already on the downhill side of the slope, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas he comes in with 27 years old and. Um, Anyways, yeah. So far, so I'm not going to say promising, but uh, but certainly competent. Yeah. And let, let's see. But uh, I, I like what I saw mostly of his game tonight. And they played uh, the most ice time against Lindholm, Goodrow, and Kachuk. 
that was the line they saw the most of. And of course, that's that was what the I saw. Calgary line that played the most. So they, yeah. they, they played a lot against Nurse and, and Barry as well, that trio. Yeah. But, uh, a lot of tough minutes for Keith and CeCe, and they, and they held their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce, my good thing is the third period, the Oilers um, this time held the lead in the third period. And really, let me just check here. After that Calgary goal, there was the Oilers did not give up, according to our count at least, another grade A scoring chance. So um, they really shut down the Flames in the third period. And I never, I mean, I knew the outcome of the game when I'm watching it, so it's not as tense for me. Like I'm not sitting on every shot because I know they're not going to score, but I didn't really see that much danger or pressure from the Flames. Um, it was a good performance by the Oilers. They, they, uh, they, they found a way to stymie the Flames, and um, I don't think it's going to be for the first time this season. Just say that. Well, they just play four games. Just for the year, first time, is, it won't be for the last. I should say. It says, yeah, ten, after yeah. last year's ten games, this is going to seem like a a rare thing playing Calgary. But just how many? When's going to win the first one? Just four. Four. That's it. Four. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. I like that old. I like the Canadian division. All right, what's your bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to look, look at Tyson Berry and not liking what I'm seeing on the defensive side. And I mean, this is not anything that should be too, too surprising other than we heard from Coach Jim Playfair about how um, Barry's been challenged to be more uh, competitive on the defensive side of the puck, but man, he just gets overwhelmed sometimes. And I mean, in tonight's game, he played, uh, this is a, a five on five, so it's not everything because there was lots of four on four and various special teams tonight. Uh, in 16 minutes, uh, the orders got outshot 18 to seven. Uh, the shot attempts were 25 to nine. I mean, we're talking about under 30% across the board and all the scoring chances and uh, shots metrics that they keep at natural stat trick. Uh, fortunately, breaking even 0-0 in actual goals, uh, he did get, uh, he was one of those at fault too on the power play when they gave up a breakaway. Uh, Manjapani's breakaway, that was a pretty scary situation where kind of two or three different guys messed up, but Barry is supposed to be the, 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 He's the one actual defenseman of the five that should be playing back in a defensive situation. And he got kind of caught flat-footed on that one as, as well. I mean, he does bring his skills to the game. And, I mean, he's on the power play that scored two goals tonight. Not that he necessarily had a huge amount to do with the, those specific plays. But uh, uh, he's he's part of that very successful unit. But two games in, it's kind of... Kind of scary because they're they're really relying on the guy to play a lot of minutes. Yeah. So we saw last year, right? Like he he leaked the mo- the highest rate of grade A scoring chances against of any defenseman on the Oilers, mm-hmm. and and I think it was the highest rate that we may have ever seen. And so he came, you know, he maybe he, he I have no doubt that he's determined to improve his defensive game. You know, that Playfair was saying that, and I, I suspect that's true. It's hard though. I mean, it's hard. He's he's a thirty year old, twenty nine year old, whatever he is. He's been in the end. It's hard to change these habits, and um, 
you know, physically, it's just hard to make the plays too, right? Like he's very tricky and he's fantastic with the puck, generally yeah. speaking. He's just <clears throat> great with the puck. But he's not that big and he's not super fast. Um, so, yeah, he's going to, you know, here, here's what I see, Bruce. Like we've talked about Evan Bouchard stepping up and mm-hmm. taking over from Barry or taking over in the top four at some point this year. I, from what I'm seeing, that thought is definitely growing in my mind. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is, Bouchard has done everything that you'd think in the first couple games. You know, he's had a, a few warts too, a few bad plays, mm-hmm. but he looks really good out there. Um, very competent player, great passer of the puck, at least as good a puck mover, puck distributor as Tyson Berry and, and probably a better defender. He had some good moments on defense. Bouchard, he wiped out Kachuk, for for instance, on in one hit, I noted. So I just think that that's looking like it's going to happen. And it might not be Christmas. It might be Halloween um, that, that we see that move being made. I mean, and, and again, Bouchard isn't, he's not an 18 or 19-year-old guy promoted to the NHL after being drafted high. He's played two full years of pro hockey. You know, he he has great pedigree. And uh, obviously, he's got tremendous passing skills. He's had two full years to learn the pro game defensively. He's he seemed, you know, could he be better than Tyson Berry on defense, Bruce? I think he could. Uh, you know, I, hope that, so. <laughs> I, I would hope so too. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. And maybe Barry on the third pairing will be, you know, maybe that'll be more to his more to his speed. And um, you know, continue to play the power play. Bouchard, uh, he turns 22 uh, next week. Yeah. So he's now, you know, at the age where you should really be expecting him to uh, make, make him. some sort of breakthrough. Yeah. And he has his own peccadillos on the defensive side of the puck. He got burned on one sequence tonight for two dangerous chances against. Turnover. But, yeah. Yeah. Not shorthanded, right? Yeah. Was that sh- yeah. Failed clearing attempt. Yeah. Right. And uh, it, it it went sideways, and Smith had the answers that time. But uh, you know he's uh, uh, he has uh, um, uh, things things going for him. His head for the game and his his general coolness. I expect him to improve on the defensive side of the puck as he gets more experience. And he may never be great, but I expect him to improve up to at least you know solid. And, you know, to do to always do his damage when he's got the puck on his stick with the way he thinks the game and, and uh, the way he shoots and passes the puck. He he does things, Bouchard, every game that really put a smile on my face. Like, honestly, like the, the plays he makes, he's a fantastic passer and offensive hockey player. I mean, that deke that he made to his backhand where he swooped into the slot, that was really mm-hmm. nice. Uh, my bad thing, Bruce. Okay, Zach Cassian. Um, my number is, I'll do both at once. My number is, yeah. is six. He had six right. hits. I loved his physical play. I, I, and I thought it was really needed because the Flames are a tough team and they're, they're coming yeah. at you. They're all over you. They're, they're hitting you. He really was hitting them back. And so was Fogel and, and Hyman. Like the owners have some, some tough wingers too here. But Cassian and Nurse is a mm-hmm. tough guy. He, he led the team with eight hits. Cassian though was going after Zadorov and he, you know, standing up to their toughest guys. And, uh, you know, 
that's important in, in a hockey game against a really tough and ferocious team like the Flames. My, but my bad thing was this. Bruce, he just he just got bonked on the head in, in a fight. Like he, he lost his helmet in a fight and he got taken down and concussed. And it could have been a, so much worse for Zach Cassian yeah. on that play. So what does he do? He, he, he loses his helmet again, which should be a signal to get the frick off the ice. Like it's, it, I guess it's a league rule. Get off the ice, get off the ice immediately. Just go. So what does he do? He, he just jostles with Zadorov. He steals his hockey stick, which should have been a penalty grabbing the stick from the other guy's hands. And, and then he gets in a, he gets in a near fight. I don't know. I just thought that was like, honestly, I just thought it was dangerously, uh, bad, uh, thinking, uh, on Cassian's part, not having that helmet on his head and, and continuing to engage. But that's, he's a, he's, he's, he's cut from a different cloth than I am. That's certainly true. (laughs) Do do up your chin strap. If necessary, grow your hair back. So the helmet doesn't just slide off of your head or shrink your helmet one size since you haven't got hair on your head anymore or whatever it takes to keep the damn helmet on to it. Uh, I, I did think he, he, uh, he didn't want to go with Zadorov and he, uh, uh, he evaded that fight and, you know, rightly so for a player coming off of a, of a, of a concussion. Um, and you know, he didn't, I, I wouldn't say he chickened out. He just didn't, he didn't engage in, in that next step of it, and instead he blew Zadorov a kiss from the from the bench, which was which was a little bit of fun to watch. But Calgary sure got some greasy customers, eh? That Rasmus Anderson is a hothead, and and uh, Zadorov doesn't take any prisoners, and we know all about uh, Kachuk, of course, uh, and Lucic and Good Branson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good Branson. Yeah, Lucic actually looked pretty good to me that game. Like he seemed to be making plays all night. Like, yeah, good for him if he's able if he's picked up his game in Calgary. I guess he has. That's what people say down there. I'm not sure all of those guys can play very well though. And I think this could be a problem for Calgary is that they have a really tough team, but a lot of those guys have trouble executing um, plays. And we'll see if the trade off is there for them. It, it made me really glad, Bruce, tonight. Like this this notion of having puck moving defensemen as opposed to cross-checking defensemen. Um, I was really glad that the orders could, they, they just, it's a different team right now than we, when, than we have seen um, in the McDavid era, frankly, with this group of puck moving defensemen. It's not the same. It's, it just doesn't feel like the same Oilers at all to me on a certain level. They just, mm-hmm. because now every line, Every time they go out there, it's like they can generate something. It's like they can get it, get the puck out and move the puck. You know, we're not just waiting for the one line anymore. There's this is a team that's gener, you know, as a group generating stuff, and it's coming from in so, some small part or large part from this group of defensemen who can really pass the puck. So I'm digging it. What's your number? Well, I think I'm going to go with the number three. And also the number plus two, uh, which was the number of points scored by all three members of Edmonton's big line tonight. We had Yesipul Yarby with that big goal we discussed in a pair of primary assists, three points plus two. Uh, we had uh, Leon Dreisaitl with three assists plus two. And Connor McDavid with three goals plus two. And 
even though they didn't dominate the possession part of the game at even strength, they did their damage on the on the power play as usual, and they were able to generate that crucial uh, pull the RV goal five on five. And then of course, when Calgary pulled the goalie, it was a series of excellent plays by all three guys to and nurse to uh, thwart a Calgary rush and, and break the puck out clean and and set eventually set McDavid up for the tap in and I mean that's an easy goal in the one sense but in another sense uh, uh, what's wrong with an empty net goal I mean I've been cheering for the Oilers for well 50 years now and you know what I don't think I've ever seen them lose a game in which they scored an empty net goal so bring on the empty net goals you know that's executing when the game is on the line and the quickest way to kill the other team is to put the puck in their net when they take their goalie out of it. So anyway, three points each, plus two on a night where, you know, they were challenged, but uh, they came out on top and in large part just because of the tremendous high-level skill that they have to execute on on the relatively smaller number of chances they had. No big surprise that uh, they want to put the puck in the net a few times because they got that kind of skill. The Oilers' power play is clipping along at 50%. 50%, Bruce. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Just seeing who's leading the league in scoring right now. Huh. Seven points for Kopitar, seven points for Stamkos. McDavid's got five, right? Oh, yep. Yeah, so. All righty. Is that it? And you're... Did you have a number? Oh, yeah. Oh, I said Cassian. You did your number first. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at who's Columbus has got a power play that's clipping a lot at 66% right now. Max Domi. They kicked the crap out of, was it Arizona? 8-2 on on their first game. I see. Max Domi and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Well, those are two good offensive players. And uh, that that are leading the way there. Alrighty, Bruce. Well, a good start to the season. You know, it could be it could be worse. Could be worse. Vancouver beat Calgary. That's a pretty good start. I would say Mike Smith's been their best player in both games, and um, so they're getting some good goaltending here right now. Mm-hmm. And that's but that's part of hockey, and it's great. This is like this is like the uh, to harken back to the day as I always do. You know, Grant Fuhr would uh, mm-hmm. have games like this where he would just. When it was close, he'd be shutting the door, shutting it tight, and then the you know the skill would take over of the of the team, and that's that's what happened tonight in this right. game. The other skill took over after some exceptional goaltending. So it was a very 1980s kind of win. Well, those great order teams, you know, of the of the 80s, uh, for all that they uh, led the league in goals every year and seemed you know had were in the hunt for first place overall in the Stanley Cup year after year. Uh, they weren't a team that dominated a game in terms of possession. They didn't no. have the puck all the time. Uh, they got outshot. Uh, you know, every year that they won the cup, they got outshot during the regular season. Mm, like, really? Yeah. Yeah. 
And what they did was their shooting percentage was just off the charts, and it was off the charts every year, over 15%, seven years in a row, team shooting percentage over 15%. It was just insane. Wow. And that's how they beat teams. They so trade chance with them. We live that you have the first chance, and if Grant makes a save, we'll come down three on two, and we're going to put the damn puck in the damn net, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Right? That was a, <laughs> a general attitude, and they backed it up. They walked the talk. And we're seeing that uh, in the first two games here. They're trading chances, and Mike Smith shutting the door, and the owners are scoring on their chances. So Tonight's game especially, yeah. Yeah. Well, they got out chance 10 to 15 against the mm-hmm. Canucks, so. All righty, Bruce, let's leave it there. All right, thanks Dave. for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Let me just find this. There we go.